Genre. Hello, my preciouses, and welcome to Lord of the Rings Minute, the daily podcast where we analyze the movie The Return of the King, one minute at a time. I'm Cassandra Fredrickson. And I'm Norman Mitchell. And today, this most auspicious of occasions, happy belated birthday, Bilbo and Frodo. Um, today, we'll be talking about Minute 1 of Return of the Frickin' King, which starts with a black screen and ends with, uh, well, we don't know who this is, really, but, we, I mean... I mean, we know. We, know. We, are, we are not intended to know who this is, I don't think. Uh, but we, the podcast host, know that this is Andy Serkis's smiling face <laughs> as Smeagol. And he is planning to have a wonderful day fishing. Yes. I... I have always loved that, like, the last two movies open on something big, and then this movie opens on a worm pressed between two fingers and a comically large fish hook. <laughs> it's just, what? What? What a what an interesting first shot to a movie. It This is the way it is in the theatrical edition, if I remember correctly. Yes, yeah. it, it opens on this. Yeah. We will be spending quite a while in this flashback, uh, almost the entirety of two weeks. So um, I guess strap in for some some hobbit fishing and um, right. just and light strangulation. Uh, <laughs> light is a strong word. Uh, almost drowning, and uh, for some for some precious moments. <laughs> yeah, I like how um, I like how this the score opens um in according to the 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 complete recordings edition of this soundtrack which i want but apparently it's like 500 pounds and i don't want to like money um and i don't want to know what that translates to in uh dollars um but according to this the the track is called roots and beginnings and i like how it starts off on this kind of sweetly foreboding theme and then it blends into the the ring theme mm. where we get the lord of the the lord of the rings title right and the ring theme is also very much gollum's theme yeah so it's cool that we we start to bleed into that and then we immediately open on a shot of smeagol and then we we get a like a, a shire sounding theme almost yeah it's it feels familiar but it's it's also new if i'm not mistaken i think so i think it's getting kind of a new mixing of it yeah and uh this i have a, a bunch of like quick little background notes about this so th this scene was shot on a small lake called fernside mm. and was di mostly directed by fran Part of it wasn't, but we'll get to that later this week. <laughs> I can guess what part. Is it the crappy underwater? Uh, I assume that that was shot in studio separately. Yeah. They don't mention who directed, who who did that. But I assume it was just done, like, on the, the Dratowet set or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, but no, there's a, there's a, a, like, the last two minutes of this week weren't directed by Fran. They were directed by somebody else. Hmm. And we'll get to that. Okay. 
But yeah, we uh, we open on this this lovely shot of Smeagol smiling. Mm-hmm. He looks so interested in this worm. He's very focused. Yeah. Have you ever seen me try to thread a needle? Yeah, it's the same sort of face. Yeah. It's like, you expect to see his tongue kind of in the corner of his mouth. Just, yeah. Mm. Going a little cross-eyed, like, all right, don't move. It is a comically large hook. Maybe they have a really crappy blacksmith. Maybe. That's possible. But <laughs> it's a small worm, big hook. You take something like that for granted in, like, you know, 2019, but when you have to craft everything by hand... Yeah. So go find a bigger worm. Also, considering how much smaller hobbits are than people, that is a very small worm. Maybe they, like, they traded it with with humans. Maybe it's like a human-sized fish hook. Or, sorry, a stewer. Smeagol is a stewer. Oh. He's not a hobbit. He's a... He's a... A hobbit-like... A proto-hobbit? A proto-hobbit. He's a, he's a hobbit-like creature. There's, uh... So what's the difference? Three of them, I know? think. Where they're from, regional, like, regional racial differences. Oh. Kind of the same way that, you know, real-world racial divides happen because of environment. So, like, are hobbits, um, just, like, stouter and shorter, generally? And don't like the water, generally. But, like, the... Except for the, the ones in Buckland. Yeah, the Brandy Bucks, they live on the water. Yeah. They're the exception, not the rule, ah. when it comes to hobbits. Now, I know we kind of talked about this flashback, um... A lot in previous episodes. Yeah, because this flashback was originally planned to be in Two Towers in the Dead Marshes when Frodo names Smeagol mm-hmm. and his eyes go wide and, and then they kind of brighten. Yeah, it gets all wavy and yeah, wiggity, 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 wiggity. What is this rocket power? <laughs> you know, and then you just kind of fade into the same shot, mm-hmm. I would imagine. So across this scene, for until we get to. Uh, the breaking point. They tr- they want to get across that before the influence of the ring, Smeagol is not malicious. A generally decent person. He might be a bit of a prankster. He might delight in his cousin's misfortune a little, mm-hmm. but he's not... Well, who doesn't? He's not mean. <laughs> so that's an, that, that's something to keep in mind, like, watching these first five minutes. So, so the reason I brought up us discussing this previously is because I remember... Um, a conversation we had about this flashback in regards to why hobbits are afraid of water. Do you think that this is like a folk, this has become like a folk tale passed down through the, like, you know, like there's bad things happen on the water. I mean, maybe it's entirely possible. Yeah. I mean, the, the distance of history twists things. Right. Because this is what hundreds, if not, uh, no, like, like, a little over 500 years? Yeah, so hundreds of years. That's like many generations. Right? Is that is that right? No, that can't be right. Yeah, it's like a little over 500. So how are they proto-hobbits? Hobbits must exist at this same time. Yeah, but like the but the other branches of like hobbit-like people don't really exist anymore. I I, I assume that they In interbred. In 500 years? Was they there like, like a mass extinction event? I guess. I assume that they like interbred with hobbits. Oh my god. Right, because it's the... Because for two and a half thousand years... The ring went quiet, right? That's the deal? Yeah. And then it was picked up by Smeagol. Mm-hmm. And then it's, he's like 600 because it's been... We, we we assume that he was probably an adult when this happened, right? Yeah, he looks it. I don't know if there's a Smeagol birthday somewhere in the appendices. I'm not going to go looking right now that we've already started recording. No, I don't think so. Um, So we're not sure how old exactly he was when he found the ring. 
it, we know it was his birthday. If we assume that he's an adult in Hobbit, in like in Hobbit style culture, he's probably like in his forties. So, and it's been another what sixty some odd years since uh, the Hobbit or whatever, right? Yeah. So Smeagol's like six hundred. Okay. I would assume that the other Hobbit-like peoples all wound up breeding into hobbits. That they were probably all compatible in that way, and all became one people. In 500 years? I mean, we don't know how many of them there were. They were small. I mean, there aren't that one. There aren't actually that many hobbits, even though it looks like there are a lot of them. Compared to, compared to say, humans and dwarves, there right. aren't as many hobbits. Right. But they, they take up this whole, like, the Shire. Yeah. I mean, I am, I am possibly way off base here. But I think when they, when like anthropologists track how long it took Neanderthals to go like extinct, it was probably a way shorter time period than you think. Really? Yeah. Like once it started, it probably was like from the point where it starts to happen to the end of it was probably a pretty short time span. I'm trying to remember because I, I remember watching all kinds of stuff about like cave people on the Discovery Channel as a kid. I'm trying to remember more about this <laughs> off the top of my well, head. Well, that research is our, is probably dated. Some of now. it probably is dated. But, like, there's a lot of evidence to suggest that part of what caused Neanderthals to go away is, like, interbreeding with Homo sapien. Okay. Or, uh, not Homo sapien. Is it Homo sapien? No. Yeah, Who? we're Homo sapien. Yeah, the ones that, uh, the ones that migrated north. And then the Neanderthals bred in. Yeah. Is probably what happened to most of them. Oh. There was probably some conflict between the two, but also interbreeding. Because there are people alive today descended from Neanderthals. There had to have been a lot of interbreeding. Interesting. Okay. Like that guy in France that they found a Neanderthal skeleton in a cave near the town, and they DNA tested the whole town, and one of the people there is related to the skeleton they found. What? That's rad. Like, my people have been here literally forever. Get off science, my land. Science is cool. <laughs> I think it's, I'm pretty sure it's France. Hmm. Which I think is just, like, fascinating. Like, literally, your people have been here for thousands of years. Yeah. Wow. That's just because you you have a lot of personal inertia. That's true. Like, you don't... <laughs> but, like, it, but, like, literally... Like, you've never lived anywhere else. <laughs> but, like, literally thousands of years, like, being related to a caveman found in the same place where you live, no, that's No, no, that's sick. That's sick as hell. That's, but, like, like... That's insane. I mean, I don't know. What? You, you, you go back what, like five hundred years in the area. Uh. So like, Gollum would be like still alive. Yeah. So like, does Hobbit history not go back as far as five hundred years? I mean, it has to. It absolutely does go back that far, but. As far as um, so, like, Tolkien is concerned. Right. I mean, there's a problem with that. With this idea that, like, these people disappeared in, like, 500, 600 years. Because hobbits live to be, like, a, That's over what I'm 100. Saying. 200 almost That's sometimes, I think, right? No, um, Bilbo is an anomaly. Um, it's a big deal that he gets to his... How old is the old Took? I think it's a big deal that Bilbo gets to his 111th. Um, but I think the old Took is, like, 120? Let me look. 130 is when he died. Mm-hmm. So the old Took lived to be 130. So yeah, hobbits live a little longer than people. But the Tooks are different because aren't they, um, they're like a little taller. Yeah, I mean, they're the people that are probably mostly 
related to like the Stewers and okay. some of the other hobbits of that area. So did they just like show up and they're just like, hey, wait, no, okay, but if if okay, if this group of people that Smeagol belonged to migrated somewhere, I don't think they would live somewhere next to a river if something like this happened. Mm. That's why I'm thinking like it's a superstition now. In it with the descendants of of these people, maybe they're maybe they're hobbit and hobbits. Maybe they like moved as far away from the water as they right. could. I mean, that just makes it more more possible that Smeagol and Frodo are related. Oh God, <laughs> not this again! It's been three years, Norman. <laughs> I I don't. It's never. I don't think it's ever said anywhere. What really? I don't think it's ever confirmed anywhere. But to me, from like a real world perspective, it's like. They probably just interbred with all the other kinds of hobbits. Mm. And, like, that's why there's only one kind of hobbit now. But there's height variation regionally. Yeah, that's true. Well, yeah, because the hobbits near Bree are taller, too, right? Yeah. And then when magic leaves the world, hobbits slowly get bigger and become people. So, like, do the hobbits in Bree, like, sometimes just date humans? I don't know, maybe. Like D&D? I mean, maybe, whatever. <laughs> Some people are into the some, some of the some of the people are on Bree are into halflings. It's fine. You do you. I think some of the. I mean, yeah, because humans humans get busy with anything, really. Right. But like, I mean, some the, of the halflings would have to just be into tall people, right? I mean, the narrator <laughs> perspective often describes the hobbits almost entirely as childlike. Ew! Why you gotta be like but I, this? I think that's more of a. I don't think that's supposed to be intended to be a physical description. I think that's intended to be like a their attitude description. Yeah. Because they're they're whimsical and like wide eyed and interested in the things around them in a way that you know adult humans don't tend to be. That's gross. So there's not a whole lot else to talk about this minute. I mean, it, it's just the the New Line logo. New Line, logo, Lord of the Rings, Wingnut Films, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, Lord of the Rings logo, which is the exact same logo as the first two films. It's right. not different. Peter Jackson's just like, hey, look, a cost cutting measure in the. Why would they change the it if they filmed it all as one movie? Yeah, it's true. But like a lot of like sometimes studios like change logos between movies. That bother. Okay, that's like the equivalent of a publishing house changing um, the the way a a paperback looks in the middle of the trilogy. Mm. That bothers me so much. Or when it's like a different size for no reason. Yeah, yeah. And then you just wait for the set version to come out. Just just let them let them look the same. For that edition, and then just go. Yeah, then, then keep changing stuff as you go. Right. Yeah, I always think it's so weird when when stuff like that happens, and it just like if all the hardcovers aren't the same size, or all the paperbacks aren't the same size. It's like, but you're, it's literally the same edition. Why are you? Why are you doing this? But like this Lord of the Rings logo, the font is vastly different from like the quote unquote Lord of the Rings font. Yeah, it's, you know, it's you know what I mean. Yeah. And the, it's different from the, like, the title card font for the movie, too. Yeah. But, like, the like the movie poster art. Yeah. Like, the, the movie poster, the even the font on the the extended editions that we have. It's not quite like this. This is a lot more, like, run-down looking. Like, it's beat up. It's old. Yeah. Than, like, the Lord of the Rings font. I wonder why that changed. We've I don't think we've talked about that at all. <laughs> why those fonts are kind of different? Yeah. I mean, I think that the like the antiquated looking beat up font is just hard to maintain and like be nice and clear and print yeah, properly on that's stuff. That's true. Cuz like the the quote-unquote like iconic Lord of the Rings font, like mm. I'm pretty sure we're using like 
a copycat of it in our logo. But yeah. like, but it's clean. It's 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 interesting that that translated different. You know what I mean? Mm. From like this, the title card, the yeah. Lord of the Rings. So I I guess it's a good because it's like the opening shot. Uh, I guess it it's fine to mention that you know we we talked about just briefly that this was supposed to be in two towers and they were originally planning to do something different at the beginning of this movie, mm-hmm. which was uh, the camera zooming out of the paths of the dead across the fields of Rohan into the Golden Hall and then Aragorn waking up from a nightmare. What? Like he's being tormented by his his destiny or whatever. Like the paths of the dead are calling out to him in the night. So that's how this movie was supposed to open? Yeah. Well, like with a focus on Aragorn. Right. Because it's he's the king. Right. It's the return of the king. Let's start with the king. I mean... I fully understand that drive to want the first scene to be Aragorn because he's supposed to be like the main character of this movie in theory. Like the movie is, it's called the return of the King. All of Saruman's dialogue in Saruman's first scene is about Aragorn. But I will say that the return of the King is a title that Tolkien hated. True. He wanted to call this story, this part of the story, the war of the ring. That makes more sense. Yes. Tolkien hated that title, A, because spoilers, B, because it's just like an arbitrary, like, I don't know, it's, it's, at least the two, ta- like, I don't know, I guess both the Two Towers and Return of the King are evocative in their own right as far as titles go, but I think, I think I like the Two Towers more as a title, just because I like alliteration. Yes. Um, yeah, so, I don't, I don't know that Aragorn is, suppo- quote unquote, supposed to be the main character because it's it's two books right that's true but i i think he's much more supposed he much more feels like he's the focus of this movie than the previous two and i mean he had to be because the climax of the story is about him like claim the climax of this movie in a lot of ways is about him claiming his birthright because the real climax of this movie isn't uh isn't isn't necessarily, like, framed as Frodo and Sam on Mount Doom. It's the end of the Battle of Pelennor Fields, and then we have, like, that small break in the action, and then we do the scene on Mount Doom and the Black Gate and stuff. But in a lot of ways, like, the fever pitch of the movie is really, like, on Pelennor Fields. I disagree. But that's only because it's, like, a big climactic battle, so it kind of feels that way when I think about the movie as a whole. Just because... Like an action, an action sequence doesn't necessarily have to be the climax of the movie. Mm. The climax of the movie is in regards to the character's journey and like where the that coincides with the plot. And so I think that the climax of the movie is absolutely on Mount Doom with like that frenetic speech of the Black Gate. Mm. But we'll get there, and like but we'll get there. What a year? Yeah, a long time. <laughs> We're here for a long time. <laughs> We're here for a long time. Not a good time. <laughs> I wasn't going to say that. <laughs> jokes. Just jokes. Um, so many jokes. <laughs> I really do appreciate that this movie basically opens on a sight gag. Does it? A little visual joke. The, the, the hook in the worm is a totally intended to be a joke because the worm is so small. I guess. I've just never thought about it that way. That's, that's I feel like... Visual humor. I think you're fishing for something. <laughs> I mean, Andy Circus calls it out in the commentary. Mm. It's just like, you know, that was very difficult. That's a very big hook and a very small worm. 
No, don't worry. No, no worms, no worms were, were harmed, harmed in the <laughs> making of this movie. Yeah. No but worm I'm... tongues were harmed in the making of this movie. <laughs> I don't know about that. Yeah. He took that good tumble down the stairs. Well, it is spoilers. That's in what? Three weeks? No. The tumble down the stairs? Oh, tum- yeah. Worm tongue took that tumble down I'm the talk- stairs. I'm talking movie. about this movie, Norman. Mm. We got we got to pay attention to see if, if uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, my brain. Gambling. If gambling does anything cool across this movie, we gotta we gotta look out for gambling. He's gotta keep he's gotta keep doing his boy Hama proud. Uh, the only thing that I remember gave me feels from when we watched the theatrical all the way through is when um, Thaden gives that speech about the the honored dead and gambling aggressively says hail and then drinks and he's sad about it. Yeah. Well, because he's sad about his boy, Hama. Yeah, and then he just hangs out with Aimer for the rest of the movie. Yeah. There is a criminal underuse <laughs> of Aimer in yeah. this movie, by the way. <laughs> there is. I just realized the other day just how many, like, random sci-fi and fantasy things Keith Urban has been in. Yeah. He's in Chronicles of Riddick. I don't know if you've seen that movie, but I totally forgot that Keith Urban was in it until I saw a picture the other day, and I was just like, what? That's, what? I have not seen that. <laughs> he plays a guy with a terrible haircut. Oh, that's unfortunate. Like, like a terrible haircut. Like, shaved sides of head, like, eraser head, flat top, ponytail. Wow. So, like, 80s anime bully haircut. Yeah, kind of. Okay. But And, like, with a long ponytail. Yeah. Just oh. like, all right. Best of both worlds. <laughs> what a, what's going on there, Mr. Urban? Is it as bad as, um... Attack of the Clones, Anakin, Padawan, Braid. Uh, because, I mean, maybe, maybe worse. Because mm. that is not a good look. It's really not. Maybe, maybe worse. <laughs> but only because it's so voluminous. That's fair. I am excited, all jokes aside, about, uh, hopefully we're here for a long time and a good time. Um, this is my favorite of the trilogy, so... I know, I know it's the longest, um, the, yeah, and the extended edition, not including credits, the cameras are rolling, um, for uh, four hours. Yeah. In the, uh, in the commentary, Peter Jackson sits down at the beginning and he's just like, how long is this movie? Like around, uh, four hours and 10 minutes with everything we put back in without the credits. And it's just like, that's not quite right, Peter. You're a little off. Yeah. Unless but, uh, my math's off, but like. Or maybe Peter wanted to put other things back in that maybe he just, just forgot. forgot to. Because there is more. I know. How I want everything. Um, I want everything as, like, appendices material. I don't want, like, the mega super ultra plus ultra cut. You know what I mean? <laughs> the go beyond plus ultra cut. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know if I want that. I would like to sit down and watch it in little chunks. Right, like, what's the, like, what's the five and a half hour cut of Fellowship of the Ring look like? No, I don't need that. They fight the Whites, and there's Tom Bombadil's back in the movie. I, I mean, I appreciate that it probably exists, but I don't want it. (laughs) And I, you know, I think about some of the stuff that they cut, and some of the stuff they put in, and the way they adapted things, and... Every time I think about that in regards to these movies, it just makes me so upset that Bjorn basically doesn't exist in that Hobbit trilogy. The bees happen. Barely. Ha ha. <laughs> like, Bjorn did, you, is... did you miss our dumb puns yet? Oh my god. Okay, so I've never realized that his name is basically Bear. Yes, his name is Bear. 
God damn it. He's Bear the Bear Man. <laughs> and he keeps bees because bears like honey. Like, that's it. That's the full, that's the full, full gamut of it right there. <laughs> He's a bear man that keeps bees because he likes honey. What's his name? Bear. <laughs> and you know what? I never, uh, I never pictured Bayorn as being so, like, Sasquatch looking as he's he went. He's a werebear, right? Yeah, but he like his his like human form is very Sasquatch looking in that Hobbit trilogy. I barely all I remember is the happy floating bees for like two seconds. Yeah, and then that's it. I always imagined him as just like a really big, totally normal looking human, and then just turns into a bear, like a lumberjack. Into it, just with his flannel clothes and his simple buttons, and then just turns into a bear. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> Paul Bunyan's uh, lesser-known cousin, Bjorn Bunyan. <laughs> Bjorn Bunyan. Instead of a giant blue ox, he just turns into a bear. Right, yeah. <laughs> uh, he has a bear companion. He turns into a bear. He's his own friend. Yes. He, he cares not for others' company. <laughs> all he wants to do is lay around all day and eat honey out of the beehives. And, and pet bees. Just pet those bees. So. They're fuzzy. I hope you guys um, are just as excited as I am. I don't know about Norman, but uh, <laughs> to be back. I mean, my favorite movie was the last one. Yeah, I, mean, I know. Just, I'm just coasting now. <laughs> oh, I see. Dude, this movie is so good. It is so good. I've watched it like. How many times since we ended Two Towers, and I'm not sick of it yet? Knock mm. on wood. I mean, hey, the, at least five. Like in the like in the first fifteen minutes of this movie, I get a sweet Thaden speech, so I'm happy. Yeah, yeah, dude, your boy Thaden has some really good moments. In <laughs> we this. shall have peace. We'll get there. Mm. So, yeah, thank you guys um, for your patience. I know that the hiatus was fairly long. Uh, but, Give us uh, a moment for pity's sake. No, we're back. We're back. We're ready to run to to. Right. The podcast is never late. It arrives precisely when it means to. That's not accurate either. It arrives precisely when it has to. That. Yeah. <laughs> it arrives precisely when I schedule it to. Uh. <laughs> Um, thank you guys as always for your, your support and your listens and, uh, and your infinite patience with our shenanigans. Yeah. And there will be many, many, much more puns in the future. As always, uh, we are a part of duelinggenre.com. You can find us on there and check out our Patreon. If you haven't at, for a dollar a month, you can get access to Scott Pilgrim versus the minute, which I co-host with. Four other goofy guys, and we talk about Scott Pilgrim versus the world one minute at a time, and it's a lot of fun and shenanigans. $3 a month gets you access to all the weekend editions for not only our podcast, but all the other podcasts, uh, well, most of the podcasts um, on the network. And $5 a month gets you access to all that good stuff. Um, we did a bunch of uh, summer movie reviews, too, so if you haven't checked those out, check those out. Those were a lot of fun. Yeah, please, please... Uh, check that out if you haven't thank you for your support and we'll be back tomorrow with uh minute two and we'll find out uh it feels so weird to be talking about single digit minutes we're not going to be there for very long my dude i i I know in fact we're going to be there for nine of those it just and then onwards ever onwards it was so long ago (laughs) it's a dangerous business talking about minute one (laughs) you gotta keep your feet
And you'll end up on minute three. Where's, where's my schedule? What's the last minute of this? Too many. Stupid. Stupid amounts of minutes. Uh, two, <laughs> two sixty-four. That can't be right. No. Yeah, minute two sixty-four. Four hours twenty-three minutes. Oh, that's and 10 all the seconds. that's all the credits though. So yeah. Two. Two forty-five. Two forty-five. Oh boy. Oh boy. <laughs> oh boy. There's. Uh, we did uh, two hundred and twenty episodes last time. Did we? Yep. I don't even remember. We did two hundred and five. The one before that. That was such a. That was such a long time ago. See, but. You don't realize how long Fellowship of the Ring really is. But it's the shortest. But it's the shortest. But it's still longer than most movies. Yes. But yeah, so we'll be in your feed for quite a while. Um, strap in, everybody. It's going to be a ride. Bye. Bye.